Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Yeah, good evening TC and welcome all to part 77 of our weekly podcast The Curran View Then and Now with the Idol of Hillsborough, Mr Terry Curran and it took me a couple of minutes to phone you back because I'm going to go first to on this day, I was just writing it down, in 1939 76,962 packed into Old Trafford for Wolves 5-0 drubbing of Grimsby Town in the FA Cup semi-final and it's still the record attendance at Old Trafford to this day. Well, I didn't know that and uh, what a surprise. I mean, even a team like Grimsby, without being disrespectful to them, to get to a semi-final. But uh, later on in in years was uh, Chesterfield going to... um, the semi-final against Middlesbrough. Yeah. You know, so you don't, I mean, I've never known the, the, the lower team to get that far, but what a great achievement by Grimsby. And, and to still hold the record, well, you say it holds the record, but now that you, they, they play the games at Wembley, don't they? So, it's it an Old Trafford, an Old Trafford record. It's right. that the highest attendance inside Old Trafford. I'm not so sure what the capacity is at Old Trafford. It must be getting on towards that, but that is still a record. And it was on the uh, the Blizzard uh, Twitter page, a great little uh, page uh, run by uh, Jonathan Wilson, uh, a very esteemed journalist. I'm a big fan of his work. So I always look around and see what's going on. And I looked at that fact and I thought, that is a fantastic fact. And a great achievement, you know, for, yeah. for, for, for a little club like Grimsby. I remember Plymouth at Villa Park many years ago when I was on the Black Cabs. Oh, yes. They yes. got to a semi-final, didn't they? Yes, they did. But that, was, that wasn't Sheffield Wednesday, was it? Was it Luton played Sheffield Wednesday, wasn't it? Was it Luton? Do you know, I can't remember who but they Plymouth did get there. Played. Plymouth. It might have been Crystal Palace, Plymouth. It may have been Crystal Palace, I'm not sure. I'll have to have a look at it. But you're right, they definitely got there. They definitely, definitely got there. Mm. Magic Moments, TC, what have you sourced for us this week? Well, before we go to the Magic Moments, I'd like to uh, say our deepest uh, sympathies for uh, Frank Worthington's family. Yep, OK. One of the great players of of our generation, and you'll have had him at uh, Birmingham, uh, no doubt. So... uh, I'd like to uh, put the condolences down down to him, um, or, or not down to him, but to, to him and his family. So it's a sad day because it's another one of our great characters. What we've lost, you know, uh, in the last year to six months, you know, Norman and to Peter Lorimer, another one, Peter Lorimer, you know, what just passed away and all. So um, it, it, it's unbelievable, uh, you know. But as we all know, we've all that's one thing, that's definitely a fact that at some point in our time and life that uh, we will pass away and, 
you know, it's it's with sadness that uh, that Frank's gone, and uh, I have some great memories with Frank. Not only playing against him, but uh, being out in Sweden with him, and some fantastic times out there. Yeah, let's um, let's just briefly indulge. Then I was going to do a little bit later, but I think you're right. It's better doing it at the top of the program, and and also as you rightly say, we lost Peter Lorimer uh, a few days before. I didn't realise youngest ever Leeds player, club record scorer, champion Scottish hero, one of Revy's two uh, true greats, cruelly robbed of that goal that should have won the European Cup in 75. Rest in peace, Peter. That was the front of the uh, Sunday mirror. I didn't realise he was uh, the youngest player ever to play for Leeds United. Oh, good. What a great player. But when yeah. you say that 25 captain, when, when you look, that um, Leeds United great team. Yeah. Eddie Gray didn't play that many games uh, for his national team. Billy Bremner didn't, did they? You know, well, you see, in the 60s and 70s, they, they got nowhere near it. Whether, whether you know, uh, through injuries or they were missing games, you know, through Don Revy, because a lot of managers put pressure on the players yeah. not to go and play at international level, um, especially when they, you know, they're meaningful and uh, not meaningful, I should say. Uh, and friendly so you know when you look at Scotland they have produced some absolutely wonderful wonderful players haven't they oh absolutely Um, certainly during the well during every decade apart from the recent ones because you know when you played the game TC you know, in the 70s, the, the Football League was littered with Scottish professors, those true greats that come down from Scotland. And uh, you could argue that in my lifetime, up till the advent, really, of, of the Premier League, Scotland were at least as, as equal to England and certainly qualified for more World Cups in recent years. Yeah, well... well... Again, when you when you analyse some of the players that they've had, I mean, mm-hmm. they did get to the World Cup in 76, you know, um, and then you've got people like little Jimmy John. They, they produced some absolutely world-class players. Yeah. Don't forget, they were the first British club to win a, a European Cup. Celtic. Celtic, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and you're right, Jimmy Johnston, when you're looking at world-class performers, you know, Jimmy Johnston's got to be up there. He's probably one that always gets mixed, missed off the list. But Jimmy Johnston, you know, one of the one of the greatest wingers of, of all, all time. time. Yeah, without doubt. It's because, you know, as, as life gets, uh, kicks on, mm-hmm. um, the younger generation won't have remembered uh, Jimmy, but we still remember him. Uh, like these younger ones will still remember uh, the people like Frank Worthington and um, and Eddie Gray's of this world and Peter Lorimer's and you know all these great players, not only in, in Scotland but in England. Um, but like I said, little Jimmy is before some of their time, isn't he? You know, I mean, yeah. I mean he's been dead now. Is it, is it Jimmy dead? By the way, I'm not too sure. If I'm absolutely honest, I don't know. Um, so I wouldn't like to well, say. I'm, I'm hoping yes. I'm not saying that. It, yeah. I hope I'm not saying that that is died. But when you think about it, he is one of the all-time greatest uh, British players of all time. Him. 
Do you think with the Scottish players, and you know, I'd I'd put Kenny Dalglish in in that category. Oh. I'd put Dennis Law in that category. You put Jim Baxter in that category. You know, there's a number well, of. In that oh, absolutely. You know, Graham Sooners in that category. Absolutely. absolutely unbelievable. But do you think do you think they would have more notoriety if they were English? And and what I'm saying is, when when the world looks at England and English players, I think they. They put them more on a pedestal than than players, whether they were Scottish, Irish, or Welsh. Yeah, well, you see, don't the thing is with that that they, they don't qualify for for, for mm. World Cups. I mean, everybody, everybody um, throughout the world will remember George Best. Absolutely, but, but it, George's problem is he never played in the World Cup. Yeah, so the world really never saw him on that stage. Mm. So when you hear all these experts go on about, you know, uh, the Pellies uh, and Maradonas and all that, but without, make no mistake, George was up amongst all them, each oh, and every yeah. one of them. Absolutely, TC. Frank Worthington, let's just talk about Frank briefly. You uh, you mentioned Sweden. What happened in Sweden with the big fella? Can you elaborate on it? Well, we just... Well, I mean, I don't want to go too deep. Into no, I know. <laughs> but, I mean... We were out there. He was playing for a team called No Shopping. Yeah. And I was playing for a... I used to say, well, we're not going shopping then, Frank, are we? <laughs> you know, and uh, and I played for a team called uh, Hot Vida Bay. Um, and we spent three, well, three and a half days. Yeah. You know, and Frank did like a drink once uh, you got a couple of days off. Um, and we just, not parted, but we enjoyed ourselves with yeah. a few female friends. And we enjoyed, you know, just enjoyed ourselves. But yeah. there were great times. Yeah, I, I was fortunate enough to, uh, to to meet the big man on a number of occasions. I was on, in his company probably four or five times and put on an event for uh, for Frank down at the uh, at the George Pub, which is on the corner of Tilton Road. Frank was just that larger-than-life figure. And I remember the first time that I met Frank was many years before. He was doing a, an after-dinner speaking uh, event at, uh, at the pavilions in Kingshurst and I'd asked the, the, the promoters of it if I could go and get a few words with Frank and, and yeah, they, they didn't. So I, I just turned up and I said, big man, any chance of a, a couple of words? Of course, son, sit down. And Frank, one of my idols as a kid growing up, yes, for sure, he played for Birmingham for my team. But I remember Frank pretty much when he played for Huddersfield and, and when he played for Leicester as well. And that's when I first looked at Frank Worthington as one of the kings of football. And and I was talking to Frank and I says, Frank, you're kind of, you know, players of yesteryear, would they fit into the modern game? And he just kicked back his seat and he said, son, great players will fit into any game. And he started singing, it's now an it's now or never and and he taught me through I said would it be fair Frank to say that um, your best goal was uh, the goal that you scored for Bolton against Ipswich Town he said you know what son he said I got the ball I flicked it up on me and I turned round I volleyed it in the bottom corner he said I turned round to Terry Butcher and I said son if you'd have been standing up there with your fans you'd have had a better view of that goal <laughs> But he was so cool, and he, he, oh, he was another yeah. one that was quietly spoken, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah, oh, we, absolutely lovely, lovely. And he'd say, you see that Tommy Smith? He wouldn't mess with me. He said, punch me in the stomach. And I tell you what, Frank was rock hard. He was solid. I mean, he, he was... 
he, he was just one, of, literally one of the kings of football. Funny, funny, funny man, you know. Uh, when I say yeah. funny, uh, ha ha, funny. Oh, absolutely. Like a comedian, you know. Yeah. It was so a great, dry sense of humour. Yeah. You know, I mean, that was a pity that um, his blood blood pressure was up when he was about to join Liverpool. I mean, I, I wonder if it is if it had gone to Liverpool, you know. He may have got more respect. I mean, we all we all respect him. We all love him. But I'm on about from the fo- football authorities. He might have got more respect by playing at Liverpool and winning all these major trophies. What they won in those days. He did. You're right. He did fail the uh, fail the medical. I, I did ask him. I said, Frank, was it really high blood pressure? High <laughs> blood pressure. And he, he looked at me and he laughed. He said, <laughs> he said they told me to go on holiday and get me blood pressure down. He said, have a guess where they sent me. Magaluf, he said, I've come back, it was worse. <laughs> I said, Frank, you're an absolute legend, you know. And then with that goal, he said, that wasn't the best goal I scored, you know. He said, if you ever see Ian Gillard, you ask him about the goal I scored against QPR. And that goal against QPR, in Frank's opinion, was the greatest goal that he scored, not the goal for Bolton. Yeah. Well, he, he, I mean... He scored some absolutely great goals mm-hmm. uh, in in his lifetime of playing football, and and you're right. I mean, I mean, I look at that, uh, and I've seen plenty of his others, and that's my Frank Worthington all-time greatest goal. Yeah. But it's always different when you're a player because you know the ones, and, and I mean, I know I scored some good goals myself. Yeah. But deep down, it's it's not you're not totally opposite because you want to be opposite to other people, you know. It, it, it's you look at that goal, what you scored, whether it's like Frank's on about at the QPR, mm-hmm. um, they're always sticking your head. Yeah. I mean, they all do, they're all the great goals sticking your head, but you always have that little uh favor, uh, favor for that one or, or love for that one. What uh, what you think is the best goal you scored? He, he scored two great goals, um, for Birmingham City against Nottingham Forest that, that were European champions at the time. Keith Birchin told me this. He uh, right foot bang back of the net, and uh, he turned around to uh, to Frank and said, "Oh, I haven't seen that one before." <laughs> and Fra- Frank turned round and he said, I'll "Bring it out for special occasions." <laughs> <laughs> and that's Frank. That was Frank all over, wasn't it? You know, Absolutely, yeah, that. yeah. Always, always quick witted and come out with some great one liners. It was just different class on the pitch. Off the pitch. And uh, Frankie, baby, I'm going to raise my glass to you, sir. Thank you so much for what you give us. Yeah, and, and uh, hear me. I mean, uh, I raised a few glasses on uh, this week yeah. uh, with one or two friends of Frank's. Um, one will play with him and some fans, but uh, great times. Great times with Frank. And uh, guys, we're going to uh, give Frank's book a mention in Book Corner in a short while. Magic moments. Frank gave us so many magic moments, as did the great Peter Lorimer as well. Uh, God rest their souls and rest in peace, fellas. Thank you. What magic moments have you sourced for us, TC? Well, there was a couple in the Leicester game against Manchester United. Yep. But with this being, um, this being, you know, really a sad week as such for with Lorimer and... Um, and Frank, I'm going to pick the Frank, the Frank's goal with um, against Bolton, and I know it's going back. Yeah. Um, but and, and and Peter Lorimer scoring an absolutely screamer. I mean, a hundred. He was timed at 105, 109 miles an hour. Peter yeah. Lorimer. Hot shot. 
you know, absolutely two of the great. And if you get a chance, just type, type in YouTube, uh, Lodimer's Goals, and you'll see it. And, and, and the one, uh, Frank Worthington, <clears throat> Frank Worthington for Bolton against Ipswich. Mm. I mean, I put it on this week, you know, because it brings back great memories for me with Frank and that. So I'm going to go with them too. And I know it's, you know, um, th that's yesteryear. Um, but the, the, there's a couple of incidents on on uh, Sunday when uh, Leicester beat Manchester United. But I want to pay tribute to both them two players because they were my generation. Even though I'm a big Wednesday fan, I'm not one of them. I'm like you. If anybody beats my team and there's greater players what come to Willsborough and play great football, I'm in awe of them or I have a lot of admiration for them. So I'd like to pay that tribute to Peter and to um, Frank. Absolutely. I think going forward to, so let's let's pick a magic moment from yesteryear as well. You always just you always pick one magic moment. I always identify a few. But let's look at yesteryear as well and let's um let's reference some of those magic moments from the uh, the halcyon days of the golden age of football. But for uh, for my magic moments this week, I looked at uh, Lorienti's free kick for Lorien versus Nantes. Blimey down. Eat that. Oh, um, some people when they strike it, you know, it's, it's only like a tennis player and a, and, a, and a golfer. Yep, you wear the ping, and on the football field, when you wear the ball struck right, you 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 can ask any player; they'll say they know straight away. Yep, it's either in goal, or the keeper makes a spectacular save, or it's supposed. You know that's been struck that ball. Yeah. And that was and and that one was absolutely unbelievable strike. Um, number two is Lewandowski's perfect first half hat trick. I mean, what a striker! And uh, England tonight are playing San Marino. On Sunday we play Albania, and on the thirty first we play Poland at home, which always haunts me when we play Poland. Talk about game of my life shortly. And uh, Leicester City and Southampton both for reaching the uh, FA Cup semi-final. It's great to see two traditional, brilliant English teams getting their teeth into the FA Cup. And I think the last time Leicester got to the final, Alan Clark uh, was the man of the match in 69 when they lost uh, one Manchester. Yeah, Neil Young. Neil Young. Win, yeah. And uh, Southampton, of course, um, in 1976, when uh, Jim McAlliog put the uh, ball onto uh, Bobby Stokes and uh, ran out 1-0 winners against his former great, club, uh, Manchester United. Was. Oh, it was what tremendous. So that, that Manchester City, that Manchester City game in in nineteen sixty nine, nineteen sixty nine, yeah, I was sixty six at World Cup, nineteen sixty nine. That was a year I remember City played in um, in the AC Milan strip. I know we didn't yeah. get coloured, but I did, you know I saw a, a couple of City games down at Ellsborough, mm. um, and I. And then you'd see them on television, but obviously in those days it was black and white. But I used to love that strip when City had that strip, and and then you saw AC Milan uh, in that strip, and that's a, that's a that's a colour strip. I've always liked the black and red. Yeah, and what a team! What a team Man City were in them oh. days, weren't they? But there were, there were plenty of great teams in those days. Man City, Man United had, I mean, best law check. There were other players, but they were coming towards the end of their career. Yeah, Leeds were a great team. Derby County were emerging. Yeah, you know Liverpool, were the Kings, uh, and everybody trying to be, you know, uh, 
Arsenal were a great team. Everton. Tottenham, Everton, yeah. Paul Kendall and Harvey, you know. So we've produced some absolutely fantastic football teams and some fantastic players. And back then, games were were closer. At the beginning of the season, you could look at probably six, seven or even eight that could win the title. Now it tends to be a two-horse race at best. Um, sometimes one of the teams just runs away uh, with it at a canter. But well, that, not, that, in, not back then, they didn't. Sorry, go on. Sorry, Gabby. Yeah, but not, not back then. It wasn't the case in the 70s. No, no. Uh, but in this day and age, you wouldn't expect it to be one team winning in a canter. It's just the money, TC, isn't it? It's the money. But look how much money Man United have spent. Yeah, it's spending it right there as well, isn't it? I agree with what you're saying. Yeah. That's what... Now, now, yes, that's the... That is... uh, You've hit the nail on the head there. Mm. Spending it right. Mm. Spending it right. I mean, Liverpool won it... Was it 19, 20 points last season? Which Something like that, wasn't it? They, They just... Steamrolled it, you know, and City have this season, of course. Yeah, it looks like City's going to do it this season, the exact same thing. But you know, in those days, there, be, there would be some uh, humdingers uh, right, right up until the death. You know, I remember Leeds once winning, uh, losing it, um, the BRs in the FA Cup, uh, yeah. and then the loss Wolves. of Wolves, didn't you? Yeah, they did you know? yeah, yeah. So, but when you look at it, they all complain about games, the bigger squads today. There's bigger squads today. Oh, 100%. Um, and they're getting more rest time than any any uh, any of our players what played in those competitions. And, and on top of that, our training compared to their training, they, they would they, they would they'd refuse to run up hills like we had to do. Oh, absolutely, and playing on them pitches as well. Oh. The the modern day player doesn't know that they're born. I mean, they're playing less domestic football. The biggest problem is Europe. It's this. Champions League, get rid of the Champions League, uh, the European Cup, the Cup Winners' Cup, and the UEFA Cup. Go back to old money, play that European competition, and then the rest sorts itself out. They play 38 league games back in back in the day, back in your day, TC. You played 42. I'm doing a, a series with uh, with a class of 81 Aston Villa players that won the league uh, for the first time in uh, 71 years. And and then of course won the European Cup and then the Super Cup the season after as well. And you know they used fourteen players. Seven of those players were ever present. I've just done an interview with Tony Morley, and I've got to say, TC Morley could be on stage. The bloke's a born comedian. It was a laugh a minute. I was rolling around listening to him last night. It was superb. Brilliant, brilliant. It was a great player in all, Tony. Great, oh, yeah. You know, but that was a great team. It was a fantastic football team. Didn't yeah. It? We're Aston Villa. Uh, I mean, we're ashamed that Ron Saunders walked out on it. Um, what was the guy's name? Come on. Oh, it'll come Who you want about the owner? No, the man. That's. Um, I'll give you the owner's name in a bit. It was Doug. Doug, Doug come back and. Um, I'm on about the, the the manager who took over from Tony uh, Barton. Tony Barton. Tony Barton he, took over. You know um, what they call it's lost, and uh, Tony Barton's game. You, you know. And he went on, and he mean he must have been regardless what he said. He must have been as sick as a pig because he thought that Villa would bring him back. No doubt, I, I always thought club thought that Derby would bring him back, you know. But you got two stubborn owners, and you know Doug Ellis and um, Sam Longston. 
Yeah, I mean, the most ridiculous thing that Villa ever done was get rid of Ron Saunders. Ron Saunders is the greatest Villa manager uh, of all time. And Ron, in 1976-77, he'd assembled a team that had come up from the uh, the second division to, within a couple of seasons, almost win the treble. I mean, what a team. And then... And then and, built another team in the image of the 76-77 team. Ron Saunders done a fantastic job at Villa. And he, but he never gets that recognition, recognition, no, they recognition don't. outside of, of Villa, does he? No, Tisa. And this is exactly the reason why I'm doing it with the boys. Because for me, if I owned Aston Villa, I would have a statue of the... European Cup winning team outside of Villa Park when you look at the history of Villa, when you look at what that team and that group of players and Ron Saunders done at Villa Park, it is incredible that there just isn't a statue of them all out there because that it was it was unprecedented what they done, they'll probably never replicate that again. Well I you may be right there, but the pro- uh, you say that. But if they got a, if they got a, a, a Roman Abramovich or a, or a, a Arab, what's going to put billions of pounds in like they have done at Man City and Chelsea? Mm. Then Villa, Villa are well capable of doing that because it's a massive club, isn't it? Oh yeah, and when I say won't replicate it again, I mean do it. Yeah, pro- I mean, do, you know, do, right. do 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 it properly. Without, without, the, without the money, there's no chance. Yeah, because no I mean chance. Saunders done it through skill he done it through brilliant management great recruitment and 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 assembled two sides there at villa that were um that were equal to anything on the planet yeah yeah and, and produce some great football and all oh absolutely you know some so. great football and some great players book corner in association with myfootballbooks.com tc this week they've sent us mr the men who gave the World, The Game by Rory Smith. I've got to say, I don't know too much about the book, but I'm going to be looking at it. In Book Corner, what we do is we give a shout to these books and then um, I tend to go and interview the authors of books that we give a reference and a mention to in our book corner. I've just done my latest chapter of my life with uh, Wayne Barton, who's got that book coming out, Pure Genius, about George Best. Number two, uh, Alan Hudson's pick. What Alan Hudson is currently reading is Perlo, I Think, Therefore I Play, by Alexandra Aliento and Andrea Perlo. Another great player. But he didn't get the recognition until later on in life. He no, didn't. exactly, yeah. Funny, isn't it? Yeah. We were, I was just doing my me, um, me latest My Life, My Music with Uddy, and we were uh, talking about films, because Alan Hudson loves his films. He loves gangster films. He loves his films. And uh, we done six tracks from the films that Alan picked and talked about it. And, uh, and uh, we would just literally talk. He's got, hold, hold on a bit. Paul, hold on a bit. I think, therefore, I play, because we talk about football and he says, I've read the book before, I'm reading it again. Hoodie does not stop. The bloke is like an encyclopedia, and he's such an intelligent man that writes daily. I think he's yeah. doing a tribute to Frank with uh, with Tony Curry as well soon. I, uh, I read the one where he, he wrote, you know, he brought, he brought a tear to me, I like, yeah. you know, because... 
I mean, I remember Frank really well. Like I said, I spent a few days with him in, well, I say a few days, three and a half days in, in, when we were in Sweden. But, you know, we would bump into each other occasionally. We'd have a, you know, we'd have a drink and that type of thing. You know, I mean, I didn't drink like they drank, but we, we still had a great night. Yeah. Uh, but that was a great tribute that uh, Alan wrote this week. And also we've done a podcast with Harry. Yes, I've I didn't. I didn't realise his name's Henry James Redknapp, isn't it? It's not Harry. Harry's a nickname. All right. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know that. No, I didn't realise that. But Harry was. Um, blimey, you talk about the European Cup winning team, and Dennis Mortimer's on the phone. I'll I'll call him back in a minute. Can Can you hear the beeping? Yes, I can. Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll phone Morty back in a bit. But um, yeah, he done a podcast with Harry, and Harry was um, talking about Frank, and this was before Frank sadly passed away. He said we were playing Oldersfield. It's about 1971 in a League Cup game, and uh, we were up there, and, and Ron Greenwood said, "Look, they've got a couple of decent forwards, only young kids, but they're decent." And we were in the changing room, just getting ready, and I was sitting by Bobby, and we were talking. He said the doors opened. And this young fella's walked through the door. He's thrown a ball at Moro and he's gone, Moro, sign that. <laughs> Bobby's got a pen, signed it, given him back. He's gone out the door. And Ron Greenwood's gone, uh, that's Frank Worthington, that is. 17-year-old kid throwing a ball at a World Cup winner. And like... Harry's like, I couldn't believe it. He said, but if you, if anyone knows Frank, Frank is so cool. Yeah, you he know, is. Everything about, you know, you know, Frank knows you remind me of. I mean, it was a bit obvious that we all know he's a big Elvis. Massive, fan, yeah. Frank always re- reminded me of the Fonz. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, he was just, just so laid back in us. So everything wasn't, you know, he didn't have a care in the world. When I said he didn't have a care, nothing bothered him in a sense. Nothing yeah. riled him, you know. Unbelievable guy, absolutely unbelievable. You know, when you when you're looking at football and you're looking at icons and stuff, I mean, he just he just had everything, didn't he? And you know, his autobiography, uh, one on Porto, the Frank Worthington story with Steve Wells and Nick Cooper, forward by his big mate Bill uh, Bill Maynard, Magic Bill Maynard, Morris. Yeah. yeah, he was a big fan, wasn't he? Of yeah. um, of, of Bill, Frank, was good man. He was, yeah, he was a big fan of Frank's. Yeah, you know. Uh, it was it was a, well many games in Bill Maynard uh, with Frank. Yeah. He'd obviously seen him in in, in the uh, players' lounge after, afterwards. I mean, Frank could do things on a football field, and he turned around and if you if it was if it was you you were looking at or whoever he was looking at, a few times you know as we, as he's done something and then he turned around and I'd be there and he'd look and he'd just wink as though to say, "Can you do that like type of thing?" Like, yeah. Absolutely brilliant. He could he could make that. Baby talk, couldn't he? Frank Worthington, oh. the ball was his baby. And my book here is signed, Up the Blues, all the best, Frank Worthington, an absolute legend. And that, one on poor two, is one of the funniest books you will ever read. It's it's incredible. It's just, Brilliant. it just is, just is Frank, isn't it? And then uh, Herbstein by Dominic Bliss, uh, the story of uh, Erno Herbstein, who was the manager of the great El Grande Torino team that sadly uh, all of them passed away when the plane 
Uh, Is that the one, the Bidouin thing? No, they, um, that was uh, way before in 1949. It was before Munich. They were playing a game. I think they were playing Benfica in a, in a friendly game. And um, they just won the, the, the Italian Portuguese, league. Was it a Portuguese team then? No, they were uh, they were Italian. They were pretty oh. much, it was pretty much Torino was the Italian national team. And... Um, you know Sandro uh, Mazzola, who played yeah. for uh, for Inter, that that got beat by Celtic in '67. Yeah. His his dad was uh, was was the captain. Yeah, the, the great Valentino uh, Mazzola. He it's was because I only the Man United playing disaster. Yeah, and it's only this last ten years that I've heard of other planes. Um, yeah. what's gone down? Mm. I never heard of it before, but you know. Because the Man United thing has always been a big thing, hasn't it? Yeah, because you know. they were an English team, so yeah. it's 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 close to our hearts, isn't it? Whereas, you know, back in the forties, the it, it wasn't particularly the same, and it obviously was if you were Italian, and certainly yeah. if you were a Torino fan. But yeah. it didn't really have the, you know, it didn't hit us in the UK, in England, like the Munich air disaster did, because it was Manchester United, it was the flowers of the flowers of England, the flowers yeah. of Manchester. And that, there were a lot of them were young, you know, young 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 footballers, weren't they? Oh, absolutely, the yeah. But I mean, the Babes again for me. The Babes are the greatest um, English team ever, one of the greatest in the world. The average age was, was just 22. Um, Samat Busby had that vision when he, he took the he took the keys to Old Trafford and, and, he, and he said, Matt, I don't want to just build a team. I want to build a club. And that's what Busby created. Everything really that you see at Manchester United is, is the creation of Busby. Yeah, it's just, just incredible. Well, Samat Busby, uh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. But, uh, I mean, you're right there, but when we talk about Busby, we, we do have to put Sir Alex Ferguson in that. Uh, oh, yeah, that ab- yeah because, absolutely. I mean, what, yeah. He, what, he, what he's built there. Mm. And we all know he could have lost his job. We all know that. But afterwards, yeah. I mean, to get rid of some of the top players like he got rid of yeah. when he first went there because he knew there was a big drinking culture. Mm. Um in modern day football, would he, would he have got away with it? You know, but he was allowed to get away with it. Mm. I mean, it was the right thing to do. You know, I mean, you look at you look at Chelsea. And a lot of there's a lot of managers being sacked with through player power at Chelsea. You know, I just think today the modern game and the modern player, it's a little bit too PC, a bit namby pamby. It's a nanny state, and I think that proper men managing teams aren't allowed to do what they do because of the way that the game is set up. Back in your day, it was totally different. I mean, some of the things that Tony Morley was saying that Saunders did was was just... You, you probably wouldn't be able to get away with it today because the player would probably just go off, think, sulk and cry. Why do you think I've never spoke about it? Yeah. You've, I mean, people's heard about cups being thrown. Yeah. Managers have picked people up with throat, but I mean, one thing I will say about players in majority of them in general, mm. even if they didn't like the manager, still had that respect for him never to throw a punch back. Absolutely, you know, but they wouldn't survive in them dressing rooms. No, because you know, you talk about bullying and being frightened. If you weren't a strong boy, mm. you know, players were petrified, and I mean, petrified. 
I mean, Tony was telling me about his career at Burnley and Bob Lord, and I mean, he, he hasn't really got a bad, a good word to say about Bob Lord or Doug Ellis, to be fair. It's a fascinating uh, interview. I thought Tony was superb. But he was saying that Bob Lord said, because uh, Bob Lord done him over, really, to be fair. He got rid of Leighton James, brought him in for half the price, put him on the left wing, but he was a right winger. And... Um, Bob Lord said, uh, you need to go and get your hair cut, son. So he had it all shaved off and put love beads on. He said, that was my way of telling him to do one. You ain't going to control me, mate. I'm uncontrollable. <laughs> well, well, Characters. I, mean, I, I got away, once I got away with murder, what I mean by that, I never did open wrong at football. I know I was never, I was never, ever had to train uh, with the youth team, ever, yeah. in, any, in all my career in football. And, and I would never frighten the club because, you know, as as people will tell you, and in, in, in my book, what's coming out, uh, Alan Hill uh, had spoke to John Brindley and he was saying um, Terry would answer him back and Cluffy loved it. Yeah. But I can remember him uh, when I went to the forest, when I went to the forest from Doncaster, I got really long hair then. And he said, young man, Monday morning, I want to see that you come here with short back and sides. <laughs> You know, and I went and got my hair cut. Yeah. When anybody, you know, if Doncaster had told me to, to get my hair cut, I'd have said, I'd have said to him, "It's my hair. It's my life. I'll, I'll, I'll have me how I want it." Yeah. But with him, you know, and it, it wasn't as though I was frightened of him because everybody will tell you I would, I would answer him back on certain things. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I got so much love and respect for him; it's untrue. But he did say to me, "Get your hair cut, lad," and uh, I had it cut. Did any of your managers call you Teddy or Terence or did they call you by a name that, that your mum I, and dad would if you was naughty? Uh, I I told you, um, when I signed for Forrest, yeah. I mean, even Quiggs, who called me, Terry, and, and Joe Slater, the, uh, the Sheffield stab, the Doncaster stab reporter, and yeah. I told, I don't know how many times I told him, right? Some of the lads at Doncaster used to call me uh, Teddy, some used to call me Teddy, yeah. and I used to say to him, My name's Teddy, and then they just they do it on purpose, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, you know, when they knew they were winding me up, and then the only one that's ever called me Edward, no one ever's called me Ted, yeah, no one, right? In football, uh, Cluffy called me Edward for about six weeks, maybe, maybe two months, right? Yeah, and then he started calling me Terry or Golden Balls, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, that, and so everybody else, and, and when I signed the contract, it has to be Edward Curran. Yep. And they there, and they say to me, you know, um, Edward. I said, yeah, my name's Ted, and everybody keeps calling me Terry. And they still call me Ted, uh, Terry. Isn't it weird that, when you think about it? It is crazy. Because um... I never, ever stipulated, yeah. that, you know, call me Terry. Yeah. I have a brother called Terry. It, it is mad how things stick and names stick and you're called by a name that actually isn't isn't your name and it's not even your middle name. It's just like... I've got a brother called Terry. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just bizarre. TC, the Wednesday week that was, Barnsley won Wednesday too. You do pick the music because you won the football forecast last week. There's no football forecast this week. Um, you're 8-5 up. So think of a track, although I do think a, an Elvis track would yeah, be Yeah, well, I'm going to say, well, I've got one, we've got one, and we've got, I'm going to have an Elvis track tonight. We'll make, make, I'm going to say to you, make sure it's an Elvis track. So, yes, we, I've got one in there. 
Okay, so keep that under your hat. Um, but what a brilliant result for uh, Sheffield Wednesday and the guys of Wednesday podcast, Wednesday Till I Die, want uh, want to do an interview with you about the Boxing Day Massacre. And Sheffield Wednesday's next three games, Watford away, Cardiff at home and QPR away. So let's just indulge slightly on uh, on Sheffield Wednesday. Good well, week. if I'm on, it's a, that was a great result. Yeah, I mean, that's the first... After the first 15 minutes, I thought we dominated. Yeah. I thought we really dominated the game. Um, I mean, these three games, you're not going to get any tougher at this time of year yeah. in the position we're in, you know. Uh, but that result on Saturday, you know, um, may have given us that lift what they need. Yeah. I mean, when I look at Barnsley, what they did last season, going to Brentford, uh, and winning away and all these other teams. So it's it's not impossible, but I thought it was impossible. I mean, if we'd have lost on Saturday, I think that would have been, well, I don't think for me that would have been it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the Rotherham game, I thought that, that that's it. But this may have given us, may have given us uh, a bit of a chance. But you lot got a great result by uh, appointing Lee, Lee Boy. But it's, a, that's, it's amazing how teams when they appoint a new manager, get the result. Uh, Charlton got the result with Nigel Atkins. I mean, I didn't realize they're just off at playoffs. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But, yeah. You know, when you come to this time of year, mm-hmm. what is it? What is it with these teams? What's at the bottom of the league? What don't seem to win? Yeah. Then all of a sudden, and it's not just this year. It's every season, isn't it? Yeah, Birmingham. When I was a kid, I mean, you know, never, never been very good, but always towards the end of the season when the pitches are drying out, put a good run of results and stayed up. It's incredible that you're yeah. thinking, well, why couldn't you do that all season? It, might... <laughs> it, it does baffle you there. It does baffle me anyway. And it must baffle a lot of people when they look at it. You know, Rotherham got another good result in midweek, and they were losing one. Yeah, oh, were they? they were playing a decent team, weren't they? It escapes me who they were playing, but Tom said, God, Blues ain't going down. Rotherham won't win another game. I'm telling you, Rotherham won't win another game. Rotherham but, won. <laughs> but Birmingham got absolutely a great result and all. So, I mean, sometimes it, it kicks you in teeth because you get a result like that against Barnes, against Barnes who's playing exceptionally well. Yeah. You know, because what anyone says, Barnes, you know, you look at it, Sheffield Wednesday should be beating Barnes then, but... Nobody's got a divine right to win any football match, but when you look, when you get that result, and then you see Rotherham win and Birmingham win, you yeah. know, um, this week, this next couple of weeks is going to tell us how strong mentally we are. Can Absol- we? Can, absolutely. Can, can, we, can we? Can we take it up another level? You know, absolutely. We're Birmingham. Put the pressure on the other teams. What's in and around us? Yeah, well, Birmingham took it back down a level because they uh, got beat three 0 at Watford. I watched the game. It was live on Sky, and I thought they were absolutely awful. But you know, that is Birmingham City in a nutshell. They're not particularly that good. Uh, but, Lee Bowyer has got a really difficult job sorting that out, and uh, and but, good luck to Lee. But you know as well as I do, it's not just Birmingham, it's all them teams what's in and around the bottom. Oh, absolutely. That's why, that's why they're there. Yeah, of course it you is, know, yeah. The consistency, the consistency is not there. No. Uh, the football that they play is not the best football. You know, they give the ball away, they concede more goals than anyone else. Uh, and they don't score enough goals and that's why they're in that uh, position they're in, the, these teams. But 
at the same time, it's got to be a great boost for 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 Wednesday, but it can be you know it can be deflected away again because of the two results. What what you got? I know you got beat by Watford, like you said, yeah. but you beat Reading and then you go and and Rotherham got the results. So you know they're still in and around. They haven't come closer, have they? You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. It's a funny time of the season. Um, the, the the top teams seem to be dropping points and the bottom teams seem to be picking up points. And while we're talking of the EFL, let's have just our EFL update. Currently, Norwich sitting top of the pile uh, on 83 points from 38 games. Watford second, 38-75. They're looking a strong team, Watford, aren't they? You, you know, they don't seem to play fantastic football and, and pretty football like Norwich do but they seem to just get results when they need to and they've been there or thereabouts all season and, and good luck to them uh, third place Swansea 37-69 Brentford on a little bit of a wobble like they did last year 37-68 Barnsley 38-64 and Reading in sixth 38-62 leaving Cardiff on in eighth position on 58 and Bournemouth next to Reading although well only three points now and a game in hand at 37 games 59 points so it really is very tight at the top and it's very tight at the bottom as well well I think Norwich have, uh, uh, have proven it now that they yeah. are too good they are too good for this league because uh, when they won the league they won it clearly and easily and yeah. they're going to win it clearly and easily this season well they're up but the rest, the rest have a much of muchness um, but like you said Brentford have dropped away again haven't they yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, you know, they bottled it. Bournemouth, yeah. Bournemouth had a disastrous run. Mm. You know, after getting themselves in a good position. Yeah. Reading were were playing really, really well, uh, and then they had a really bad run because they looked as though they were going to be automatically promoted in, in the promotion. Uh, and then Watford, uh, like you're saying about Watford, maybe not as attractive on the eye uh, mm. as a Norwich, but once you get into a winning format. Yep. You know that confidence uh, makes it difficult for teams to 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 come and play against you, and it's same as when you're near the bottom. When you when you lose that confidence and a goal uh, goes in, <clears throat> whatever time it goes in, uh, you become more tired. It's yeah. not that you are tired, but for someone only your legs seem to get, 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 get you know not give way, but feel heavy. You know you think no, not again. We've conceded another stupid goal. You know, so uh, but you bang on. Bang on with it. It, it. It's tight there, barring Norwich. And for me, Norwich has proven that, that you know they're far too good to um, to be playing at this level. But they've got to, you know, what well, they've got to take it up a notch when they get when they get back into the Premier League. Absolutely, and only eight games to go. Forty-six games played, thirty-eight. So there's eight games to go. Um, Swans, you've got nine games to play, but currently they're. Um, 14 points clear of third place so they really 
unless they have the cock-ups of all cock-ups, Norwich City are Premier League bound. Let's give a shout-out to our socials, TC. On Twitter, it's at Current View. On Facebook, The Current View. And on Instagram, also The Current View. England under-21s, what was The Current View oh, on God. that debacle today? I did see your social medias. I've been working hard uh, today. And I got home and I said, Tom, what was the score? Got beat 1-0. I'm just joking. Oh, we, we were poor. We were. You see, <clears throat> when I talk about this, I want us... I want our English coaches to do well. Yep, I know we play and play out from the back, and we don't play players what can play out from the back. Mm. You know, the, the under twenty ones. What were they watching that game today? What, to me, they looked as though they didn't. They didn't want to play. They're not playing with each other. They're all trying to prove it. You know, to be a superstar themselves. Yeah. Now, if you've got a strong manager, uh, what they will look up to and uh, and listen and follow, um, players will do what they want to do. So, I mean, I hear people, you know, say once they cross the white line, you know, players play to orders. Yep. And if things are not going right, then they'll try and do, um, they'll try and uh, show people, you know, it's not me. I'm, and so they're doing the wrong things. They're dwelling on the ball, right? There's no, there is no uh, format to it. And then when they play the cross goal, it does look bad. And they say, no, well, we can't, well, we can play out from the back. Hmm. But they don't know how to coach it from the back because everything is a tempo. You play quickly and early before the man comes to you yep. and with an accurate pass. Now, if people keep making mistakes, it does look bad. Hmm. It does look bad. The problem is the teams well, haven't got the players to be able to play it. But we've got, I mean, we're talking about the best young players in the country. Yep. And we can't get it right. But hmm. are they the best players in the country? We know we can turn around and say Foden and that is playing with the you know, with the, uh, the national team itself. Yeah. But we've got good enough players. What's playing in and around uh, I in the Premier League. Everything's all political about it. I mean, for me, he's always played uh, a long ball game as A.D. Boothroyd. And he's trying to, he's caught between playing out from the back and playing long. Mm. Uh, we couldn't, we could not string three passes together. It's incredible, isn't it? You know, and again, I want people to understand this. Sideways and backwards is 10 times worse yep. than playing it long. Yeah. So, I'm against uh, slow football. Well, I, but I'm for playing out from the back. But you've got to play with the tempo. Yep. And you've got to have players what can do it. Don't do it if you haven't got players that, you know, uh, that can do it. What was the midfield today? Uh, the kid from um, Everton, Davis. Right, okay, yeah. Who was the other kid come on? Oh, Adoy was on the uh, right hand side. Who? Hudson uh, Adoy was on the on the right. right okay, side. yeah. Did did Smith did Smith They got a strongish. They got a strongish team out. Mm. But I was more I was more concerned with watching the game and how how they were playing the balls and how they and how the England players were receiving the balls. Mm. I'd have to have a look at the team, Gabby, because, yeah. you know, Janet's birthday and I'm going up there and we're, we're doing this tonight, other things, what we're doing, I'm trying to cook tea. I've had, yeah, sure. I mean, I usually wash the pots, so, you know, but I watched the game and, I, and it was that poor. I, mm. I was disappointed, not angry, I'm disappointed because, you know, we are what we are. And, I mean, I don't know whether we've took the game to the world, but everybody says we did. 
but we've, we're falling behind the world. Yet we've got all these good players, and we have got some great players. Yeah. But it, yeah. was, it was poor. It was poor. Absolutely yeah. poor. Yeah, it is incredible. But, I mean, the day that he uh, he didn't play Foden in that one tournament because he said he's in the red zone, yeah. I, I, I would have put him in the uh, unemployable zone, to be fair. He'd have been down the job centre. I'm but no fan of Aidan Boothroyd. When we talk like that, some people will go around, you know, why are you being horrible? I'm not honourable. I'm not being honourable. I want to win. Well. Yeah. I want him to do well. Absolutely, yeah. I can, see, I can see what he's doing. It's not good enough. No. And it's all these people what do man is because when I talk about it, I don't talk about players, I talk about managers. Yeah. Because you're you've never been in the dressing room. Yeah. You none of you have been in the dressing room. Mm. And these other pundits are not telling you the truth. Absolutely. They're not telling you the truth because I will tell you the truth. Mm. What goes off in the dressing room. They will want you to sit back. They will not want you to take risks. Yeah. You know, they will want you if you're playing a, a, an A team, they will say, look, let's not give nothing away. But there's a lot of managers do that. Mm. We're never done it, our, you know, never done it with our Kendall when I was playing. They were never done it with Forest. We're never done it at Derby County because we've got a good team at Derby County. Yeah. We did it at Southampton. We did it at Sheffield Wednesday. Mm. We did it at Huddersfield. You mm. know, sit tight, make it compact, try not to concede. You know, and then later on in game, you know, see who tires quickest first, as you say, uh, and then we'll take you from there. You know, we only coach, we've only coached a certain way and we cannot get out of it. I yeah. Trying to play out from the back, some of them don't know how to do it. Yeah. You watch them, maybe not as bad at the, the the first team level, but watching them today, when the keeper gets the ball, the bodies are not even op- opened up. Yeah. So when, the, when they get the ball, they can only play it back. Yeah. Instead of looking to play either through midfield, right? Looking, you know... Uh, out wide and going support or the midfield player support the, the centre forward making runs there's no one making runs off the ball everybody's static yeah you know so that's telling awful. me when I'm watching it you get, the players may look awful mm. but when I'm watching that it's you know there's nothing you can see they've not done any coaching all they will work on for me and nobody will tell me any different mm. is will be they will do finishing and shooting that type of thing and they will do a bit of uh, tempo type of thing in the game but it's not it's not enough because you can tell when you're watching the game yeah you know people are static nobody's running off the ball the tempo to the game is not good enough and so I, when i'm watching it i can look i look at it and i'm thinking these have not been coached right and that was on paper don't want the, ball. the easiest game don't want the ball. and that's your problem that's your problem. When they don't want the ball, you have got a problem. A yeah. player that always wanted the ball. Time vaulting conjunction with footballmastersmagazine.com, TC. The great Gunter Netzer. Born on the 14th of September, 1944. He went to Borussia Mönchengladbach in 1963 to 73. Played 297 Bundesliga games, scoring 108 goals. Went to Real Madrid in 73 to 76. Played 85 league uh, league games, scoring nine league goals. And then moved to Grasshoppers of Zurich in 76 to 77. 26 games, three goals. Played for West Germany in 19 from 1965 to 75. 37 games and six goals. He was the first World Cup winner at the time of winning the World Cup to play for a club that was based outside of his country. 
Well, what a play he was. Yeah. Although he didn't play in the World Cup final, Wolfgang Overath was preferred to him, who again was another great player. But yeah. Gunter Netzer, one of the greatest to what the planet. And he, he was another maverick uh, oh, in Germany because he fell, out with, he fell out with managers in Germany. Yeah, he did, yeah. And then he, he refused to play for the national team. I mean, there's a book about Gunternetzer, but unfortunately, it's written in German, <laughs> German, so I can't understand it. I'd like to go and buy it. But I did buy his shirt, his 1973 uh, replica shirt, a brush and munch and gladback. So I've got that in my collection. I'd like to really? send it over to Gunter to get Gunter to sign it because, you know, he probably starred in one of the first live games of football that I watched, the uh, the Nations Cup uh, qualification, quarter. I think it's quarterfinal qualification game in 72 when uh, England got beat 3-1 by West Germany. Germany, yeah. yeah. But like you said, I mean, uh, always reminded me of a, a, as an, a, an a Alan Hudson, uh, mm. Tony Curry, that similar type of player. Yeah. Uh, that, well, I'm even sad to call him Mavericks now because they could do things with the ball that other players couldn't do. Absolutely. And I think he was another one of Rebel uh, when I say rebel in football, a rebel to managers because they were mesmerised with his ability mm. uh, and they couldn't teach him that and they would answer back and that's why managers didn't like those types of players. But those types of players were risk win takers. They win your games and he won the uh, the 1973 uh, German Cup against Cologne, 1-1 at the time. He was asked to come on. He says, they don't need me. One of the players went down. He was needed. Then he went on and scored the winning goal. I think Rainer Bonhoff played it to him and he scored the winning goal and uh, and then left shortly after. I mean, what a swan song that was, wasn't it? And really, what, a, what really a player. Just, just... Great player. And, and and just oozed class. You can tell, can't you, by watching yeah. a player just glides across the glass, uh, the grass. You do when you get on. You, you know, you when you when, when you get on. When you see these guys, yeah, you know, uh, live or on television, you can see. You know, they've got something about them that nothing frightens them. They're not fear of any. They're not fearful of anything. Yeah. And they want the ball all the time, even when the teams are not winning. They want the ball. Yeah. They're just gracious footballers that were given a gift by God. As was Frank, the vacuum cleaner is uh, is firing up as we speak, TC. It is the end of the podcast this week. So thank you for your time. Love to you and yours. Thank you all for listening. What Alvis track are we uh, going to play out with tonight? Well, we're going to play out with, uh, I think, if not, uh, Frank's favourite Elvis song Are You Lonesome Tonight one of his favourite songs so we're going to play out with Are You Lonesome Tonight but there's a lot of us will be lonesome without Frank in this world absolutely couldn't have put it any better myself too so speak soon pal God bless and thank you okay. have a good weekend um, enjoy the game tonight and speak next week give my love to your family no man bye bye thank you bye are you lonesome Do you miss me tonight? Are you sorry we drifted apart? Does your memory stray to a bright summer day? 
When I kissed you and called you Do the chairs in your parlor seem empty and bare? Do you gaze at your... Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.